Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, a blessed and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, wonderful to be able to celebrate with you on this day. Also on the church calendar today, we celebrate Trinity Sunday. So that's why you see the altar ordained in white, uh, because we celebrate today Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, if you grew up in a traditional setting today uh, of church, this would be the day where you would recite the Athanasian Creed, uh, which the reason that we often don't do it anymore is because it's long. And not that you would ever complain about church being long because all of you, you're all, you're all trying not to make eye contact with me right now. Um, if, if you have a chance, the Athanasian Creed is something that I would encourage you to, to look up, to read. Uh, we talked about it at early service, uh, not so much at the, for this service, but it really talks about who each person in the Trinity is and the unique blessing that our one true God is to us in doing, as, we, as we look at him. Well, today in John chapter 8, we're walking and talking with Jesus as he's teaching. And uh, that's usually kind of how you catch Jesus, either walking, talking, and teaching, or you see him resting and praying and spending time with God. And as he's walking and talking and teaching today, he is kind of in the middle of ministry, so to speak, as you and I are used to seeing him. So in the middle of John here, uh, Jesus is beginning ministry, but he's already well into it. People have an idea of who he is. The disciples are following him. And he's just done enough that people are trying to decide if they're going to buy into it, believe it, or reject it. And so as he's talking, he's with a group of people that don't like what he's saying. They don't trust what he's saying. Or as he's explaining what he's saying, they have some apprehension to what they're hearing. They're trying to make sense of it. And so how they were raised, how they were brought up, isn't jiving so much to speak with what it is. Because they're not for sure if he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, then they could believe it. But they're not for sure if he's telling the truth. I don't know about you. Have you ever had to try to make heads or tails of a statement somebody made or or talked with somebody trying to figure out if they're telling you the truth or not telling you the truth? And you, you begin to pull in all these resources, right? You pull in experience. You pull in previous conversations. You begin to talk to people. And you try to begin to understand it and make sense of it. But there's, there's just some things that when we don't always understand them or can't explain them, sometimes we shy away from them. That's what's happening with Jesus as he's talking to his fellow Jews who have been waiting for the promise of the Messiah, but they're not believing it's him. As I was thinking back on a couple of different things that weren't always trusted as I grew up, one of the things that I recalled is uh, my great-grandma Alma. And uh, she did not like microwaves. She did not trust them. Okay? And uh, I, remember her, I remember her saying, it was one of my favorite things that she ever said, that anything that can get food that hot without fire must be from the devil. All right, because she couldn't explain how it worked. And, and you got to remember the old microwaves, right? This was before the prongs were different sizes on them and you would plug it in. And there was enough voltage there that when you plugged it in, there was a little bit of a spark, right? As you did it and you could, the thing would turn on. And I don't know, but I, I've microwaved some things before where I've grabbed a bowl out of the microwave that was hot. And I'm pretty sure that was from the devil right there as it got that hot, right? And there was no fire. And so, uh, but why did she make that statement? So if you think about it, uh, you and I, right before, if you wanted to cook a hot dog, what would you do? You'd get a kettle of water, you'd put it on the stove and you'd boil it, right? Or turn on the grill. And so, um, So to have something that could cook in that way, 
But not knowing maybe how it entirely worked, but yet knowing what it accomplished, and you couldn't explain it, there wasn't a level of trust to it. And so even though uh, she had one in her house, she didn't like to use it. It just kind of sat over there, and and it was kind of the thing off to the side. And why that story today? Well, explaining something and trying to understand it. As Jesus is talking today, uh, the Jews are, are having a conversation with him. And they enter into the conversation in a way where they try to protect themselves. So rather than just asking him a kind question, they try to protect themselves. And they say, are, are you, we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Okay. Well, that's just mean, first of all. Because uh, in Jesus' time, amongst the Jews, were Samaritans liked or were they looked down on? They were looked down on, right? And so they put him in that category there already. And so they already are trying to label him and put him over to one side. And then I don't care who you are, and I don't care if it's 2,000 years ago or if it was yesterday. If somebody says the way you're acting, they think you're possessed with a demon. Uplifting comment or a lowering comment? It's lowering, right? It doesn't take uh, somebody to figure that one out too much. And so as they say that, they're already putting him in a spot Um, where they're trying to safeguard themselves. And I don't know about you, but even with me, uh, when I can't explain something, sometimes I start to try to explain it away. So I try to make myself comfortable with not being okay with it. So I begin to find all the things that are wrong with it. All right? Uh, Think about this, all you dads out there on this Father's Day, right? So you have a couple kids, and you buy one one thing, and the other one doesn't get what they want. And all of a sudden, they begin to tell you all the reasons that the thing that they really wanted isn't the thing that they actually wanted. They get to say, well, I really don't like blue anyways, and I don't like chocolate on mine. They they begin to tell you, but they really want it, but they can't explain it, so they explain it away. So Jesus answers them. And... The thing we need to understand about Jesus is even though his answer is right, he's not answering them to just be right. He's not answering to prove to them that, hey, you're wrong. He's actually answering them so that they can see the father who sent him. So he's answering them to show God's righteousness. Do you see the difference? Because you and I, when somebody tells us we're wrong, we answer them often to tell them why we're right. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I give an answer to somebody to tell them why I'm right, it doesn't always come across polite. But Jesus is being polite, but he's also being straightforward. And he's trying to reflect them or show them to his father. He says, I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And so Jesus is, again, pointing to what he's about to accomplish as the Messiah, as the Savior, as what his heavenly Father sent him to do. That he's going to go to the cross, he's going to defeat, the, defeat death, the devil, and the grave, and he's going to rise victoriously. But those who hear it have a problem with it. And they say this with exclamation, now we know you've got a demon, right? Because Jesus just said something that they can't explain. And they're not for sure how to react. And it says, Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Now, there's an insult. Any of us have ever had something. Now, who do you think you are? Who are you to talk to me like that? 
That's the statement they just gave back to Jesus because they're uncomfortable with what he said. Now, the statement that they're making as they talk about Abraham and as they talk about the prophets. As Jesus said that he would surely live if anybody keeps all those things. They're looking at Abraham and they're looking at the prophets and they're saying, but we know that they died. We know Abraham died. We know all the other prophets died. And if we know that they died and we view them practically as perfect, they should still be alive today. Are you catching that in what they're saying? If we view that they were pretty much perfect, they should still be alive today. But what you're saying can't be true because we know that they're dead. That in their old age that they had passed away. Here's where Abraham begins, here's where Jesus begins to talk to him a little bit more as they begin to think about it. I, I want you to think about Abraham. Abraham went up on the mountainside and he took Isaac along with him and he followed everything and it was counted to him. What does the Bible say? It was counted to him as what? It's a big fun church word. Righteousness, right? And so it was counted to him as righteousness. But also if you go back before them, before Isaac arrived on this scene, Abraham was spoken to by God and told, told him that his descendants were going to be as numerous as the stars in the heaven and the sands on the seashore. But Abraham got tired of waiting, so he didn't wait to have a child with his wife. He went and got a concubine to be able to have a child. Does that sound like a righteous man? Not at all. It doesn't matter if it was 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. Nope, doesn't work. And so the challenge for us is the Jews have already made Abraham to be perfect. They've, up, they've elevated him in some way. So much so that as Jesus is talking, they can't even look back and see how God used an ordinary person, an ordinary human being, a sinful person to accomplish his good, his good works, to accomplish his good deeds, to accomplish what God had done, that he used somebody ordinary, just like you and me. That didn't take too many generations, did it? And so as Jesus continues to talk to them and answers their question, he says, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. Jesus continues to talk to them, and the Jews say to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you say, Abraham. They're still stuck on the other thing, right? Jesus is trying to give them and point them in the right direction even further. Jesus is trying to show them who he is and why God sent him even further. And they're still stuck on how old Abraham was and how old Jesus is and not even knowing Abraham. Right? They're, they're stuck on the wrong thing. They're caught up in the wrong thing. And then he says, truly, truly, I say before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus, then in a statement that they would understand fully, says, I am. And the reason they understand that statement fully is because of how they were raised, every place that they were brought up in the synagogue, everything they had taught, everything they had heard, everything they could read, had said who God was. And Jesus makes the statement, I am. But with all the other distractions, rather than seeing the truth in the statement, They believe it to be a lie. And so that means that it would be blasphemous. So then they act accordingly and they pick up stones to stone him. And Jesus slips out, not instructing them any further, 
but going on to talk to some more people. It's difficult when things don't always appear the way they are. And as you try to explain them, as you try to get the right words. And, and so often when we try to explain something, it's not necessarily um, always done in a way that is conducive to both people. The one telling, the, the one explaining, the one hearing the explanation. And so often, sometimes the explainer wants to be right. And so they just explain why they're right, but that doesn't help the other person understand. And sometimes the person that you need to understand um, just hears that you think you're right rather than hearing the explanation. Uh, growing up in my family, uh, the four of us kids, my oldest siblings, uh, Lori and Brent, are twins. So boy and girl. And uh, if you see them, they don't look anything like the family. Meaning my other brother and I. My other brother and I, you can tell we are the same sibling. Uh, practically just three years apart. We look alike. We're mistaken for each other at different points in time. My brother and sister, uh, sister bright auburn hair. Brother, 6'4", tall, skinny. At almost 50, he's finally putting on a little bit of weight. He does not look, we do not, but he's my brother. Okay? And so... Uh, when he and my sister were little, there was uh, six years between them and my brother Roy. And they were out on the farm. Dad had been working. And they were putting in a new fence line. And they were digging uh, holes. And uh, somebody was asking me just how big of a hole uh, do we dig in Nebraska for a fence line. Well, it's a big wood post. And you have to put the post down far enough for the frost line. You don't know what that is in Memphis. I understand that, okay? But you have to put it down far enough so if the ground uh, freezes, thaws, freezes, thaws, that it's not going to push the post back up. Otherwise, you're going to be putting in a fence line, and nobody likes to put a fence in twice. And so um, as digging the hole, it was time for lunch. So they come in, and as any good dad would do, he got annoyed with his kids being in the house for that extended period of time because they were done with lunch. And so they're done with lunch. It was a nice day. So dad tells the kids to go where? To go outside and play. Right? Well, lo and behold, something that my dad hadn't thought about is how many post holes he had just dug and he sent kids out there. And sure enough, my sister comes into the house without my brother and she is in tears. She is in inaudible tears. And as she's explaining to my dad what's going on, he can't make heads or tails of what she's even trying to say. And finally, what comes out of her mouth is Brent Hole, Brent Hole, Brent's in a hole. At which point my brother, my, my dad finally runs outside and sure enough, there my skinny, lanky brother had fallen straight into a post hole. And he was wedged in there. He was fine. He could breathe. Don't worry. Okay. But the challenge was, is he was just big enough that you can't get him out of the hole. Right? So you have to dig around it, and then that's safety-wise. And so you have, to, you have to get them out of there. And so the, the challenging thing is when my sister was trying to explain what was going on, my dad was trying to get her to calm down so he could understand because he wanted to be able to help. So often as you and I try to explain something, we don't always recognize how we go and deliver it to a person. We don't always recognize how we're talking to them about it. And, and it's not that they don't want to help. It's not that they don't want to understand. It's just how we're delivering it. And there's a willingness there. And as Jesus says the words and says, I am, all of a sudden in his delivery, which there's nothing wrong with it, the people decide they rather safeguard themselves in the moment than trust the person who's talking to them right in front there. And... I want you to think about it uh, as you look at this day, as you think about Father's Day. How often did you tell your dad something and he trusted it and believed it? How often did he question what you said to him? What did he know about you 
that he could have you look him right in the eye and know if you were telling him the truth or not. Or could say something to you and walk away with the expectation that it would be done. Jesus speaks these words to the people that he's walking and talking with. Again, not so he can be right, but because they need to know who he is and why the Father sent him. And in these words, as he speaks them so simply and says this phrase, I am. Jesus is reminding us of the truth and the promise that God has kept to us. That our one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that knowing that the world had fallen into sin, made a promise to Adam and Eve that he would send a Messiah who would die for their sins and take the toll of their sins, the pain, the sacrifice, the suffering that he would have to endure so that the price would be paid where they could not pay it themselves. And he kept that promise to us in Jesus Christ, who is walking and talking with the disciples at this point in time. And they're ensured with us afterwards, after his resurrection, that the Spirit would be with us wherever we go. My kids were amazed the other day. Electricity wasn't working right. Something was wrong with the microwave. Pulled out a pot and pan, put some water in the pot, boiled it, threw a couple hot dogs into it. They didn't know you could do that. They didn't know that you could cook a hot dog by boiling water. Pasta? Yes. Mac and cheese? Yes. Boil some potatoes? Yes. But that's not how you cook a hot dog. They kept asking me how I knew how to do that. Simple answer, your dad's old, okay? There's a simple answer. So often, you and I, when we try to explain things and understand matters of faith, it's not because we're saying it the wrong way. It's because of everything else that's being received in it and trying to make sense of it. When you and I tell somebody that they're forgiven of their sins, guess what? They have to look at their sins. When you and I come to church and seek the forgiveness of God, we have to know what we're being forgiven of, that we're sinful as well. When you and I know that we need a Messiah, that he died and rose for us, that we knew that there was a price that had to pay, that we're not worthy to do it ourselves. You and I have to have some serious discussion with our own selves to be able to understand that. And you and I, sometimes that gets uncomfortable when we see that. And sometimes when it gets uncomfortable, we like to explain it away and not see the truth in it. But it's important for us to see the truth in it and not just simply explain it away. To know that as Jesus says, I am, that he truly is God. And that as we see the Son, that we also get a glimpse of the Father and that we also get a glimpse of the Spirit. That we know who they are in our lives as that one true God. As we walk and talk with them as they walk and talk with us. That we are never left, that we are neither, that we are not left, that we are not forsaken, that they are right there with us. So on this day of Trinity, as we read through this passage in the Holy Gospel... May you continue to see how your Heavenly Father has equipped you to be able to share the good news. May you see how he has shared it with you by his Son, in his Word, and by his Holy Spirit. May you continue to know the truth that is spoken in the love that he has given to you and the forgiveness of sins that you have received. And may you continue to share the hope of life everlasting and explain it as many times as it needs explained.
because it was once explained to you. Amen.